The next big thing, how to handle a product's runaway success. Earlier this year, I had a great chat with a publisher friend about their new game, which was poised to be a smash hit based on pre-orders, reviews, and distributor orders. They wanted to best position their company to handle the massive demand and avoid any pitfalls they might encounter for the release and the months, years that followed. Part of the conversation focused on Wingspan, the top-selling brand from Stillmeyer Games, the game designed by Elizabeth Hargrave. Elizabeth got off, oh, I'm sorry, Wingspan got off to a rocky start due to me vastly underestimating demand, not delaying the retail release date while we made more copies to catch up, and learning quite a bit about how distributors allocate games to retailers. Fortunately, people still wanted Wingspan after our initial shortcomings, and four, and a half, four plus years later, we've sold over 2.5 million units of Wingspan and its expansions. I understand that this is a niche topic, but I feel that it's an important one. If anyone has the good fortune of having a product like this, the potential for failure is just as high as the potential for success, so the more information you have to navigate these decisions, the better. First, overall strategy. In the world of tabletop games, we've seen companies handle their smash hits in various ways. Some companies hone in on that one brand, making it their focus. For example, the Gloomhaven brand by Cephalofair Games. Other companies continue to support and print the special brand while still creating completely independent products too. For example, the Brass brand by Roxley and Terraforming Mars by Stronghold. I think both methods are viable. Obviously, with Stillmeyer Games and Wingspan, we continue to pursue a variety of games, not just Wingspan products. One creator said it really well here, speaking to the pitfall of ignoring everything but your smash hit brand. Quote, we let the success determine the direction of the company versus us using the success to execute the best plan possible. Next, the initial release. In all likelihood, even if you use crowdfunding to gauge early adopter de demand, you probably won't know until close to its release if a game is really going to take off. The sooner you can get commitments from distributors to either expand the first printing or start a reprint, the better. Taking on the entire risk yourself could sink your company. To avoid retailer allocation, that is when a retailer asks for 10 copies of a game and their distributors only supply one copy, I highly recommend two things. One, delay the retail release date until distributors fully collect retailer pre-orders and you can have that inventory to cover those orders. And two, work with a retail, uh, work with a, I'm sorry, a distributor, work with a distributor like GTS with their Fortress program who is willing to guarantee specific quantities to participating friendly local game stores. Next, resources. While a smash hit game can generate significant revenue, it, can also, it also requires significant resources, money and time in particular. For example, say that you make 1,500 units of a game following a wildly successful crowdfunding campaign. As you get closer and closer to the release, you begin to realize that you could easily sell another 25,000 units. For a $50 game, that's at least another 250,000 in manufacturing costs and another 50,000 for freight shipping. It's also 25,000 more customers, some of whom will have questions, replacement parts, requests, etc. There's a tough balance of capitalizing on momentum versus giving yourself the time to receive distributor payments, scale up, and have a more accurate gauge on the actual demand. Wingspan brand extension strategies. For sake of example, I'll share what we've done with the Wingspan brand, followed by a list of what we haven't done. There's a more detailed article about the brand, uh, this topic of brand extensions here. Reprints. We've tried to keep Wingspan and its in-demand products in print through regular investments and forecasting for reprints. Expansions. Wingspan has a six expansion plan, one per continent and North, with North America covered by the core game. With designer Elizabeth Hargrave 
at the helm of all expansions, our schedule is her schedule, which organically spaces out the expansions every two years or so. Puzzles. Wingspan is known for its detailed bird art from illustrators Natalia and Anna, and we experimented with jigsaw puzzles featuring various birds. These puzzles sold fine, and some are still available, and puzzle enthusiasts seem to enjoy them, but I don't think it's something worth pursuing in the future. Vision-friendly cards. While we try our best to make all products vision-friendly, it's a learning process, and we heard enough from enough people who wanted to play Wingspan but couldn't read the text that we decided to make standalone sets of cards specifically for vision-friendliness. Donations and eco-friendliness. Given the ecological theme of Wingspan, we've tried to give back to nature by making charitable donations upon each expansion release and by making the components in Wingspan more eco-friendly. For the upcoming Wingspan fan art pack, we're donating $25,000 to various bird-related charities. Fan projects. Having such a visible brand can lead to community-motivated endeavors like the Wingspan Fan Art Pack, which will be available on our web store on October 4th. We also make the template for Wingspan bird cards publicly available for those who want to create their own cards to share digitally for free with Fan Made on the card. Organizer Box. There are quite a few people who own the Wingspan core game and nothing else, but there are also people who own everything Wingspan related, and it's for them that we made the Wingspan Nesting Box, designed to hold all past, present, and future Wingspan components. A la carte components. It's logistically complicated to sell a la carte components, for example, like score pads or extra wooden tokens, but sometimes we receive enough interest in such a component that it justifies the extra effort. Two-player version. Many successful games are followed up by a two-player version. Stonemaier Games only makes games that cover at least a one to five player range, though we found a nice loophole with Wingspan Asia, which is both an expansion for Wingspan and a standalone two-player game. Digital versions. We've had a great partnership with Monster Couch for Wingspan Digital, which has Oceania on the way. Localization. We've had a dozen core localization partners before Wingspan. Many more reached, and many more reached out to us when they saw how wide-reaching the game was. This has brought the game to tabletops around the world much more than our English language version did, even with worldwide fulfillment centers and distributors. Last, accessories, like speckled eggs, play mats, and third parties. We haven't actually made all that many accessories to enhance Wingspan. Pretty much just the speckled eggs and the play mats. Instead, most enhancement accessories come from independent third-party creators who follow these guidelines, link in the post, and don't pay any royalties to us. If you have a brand like Wingspan, I'd recommend figuring out which accessories you want to officially make or sell, and which you're happy for others to pursue. Other brand extension strategies not pursued by Wingspan, like promos. After making so many scattered promos for previous games, including Scythe, we've intentionally tried to not do this for Wingspan. However, at some point, I think it's likely we'll publish a small promo pack of extinct birds. Spinoff and sequels. So far, we haven't made any sequels or spinoffs for Wingspan, though we have done this for Scythe in Expeditions, a completely new game in the same 1920-plus alternate universe. I think sequels and spinoffs are a way to engage fans and expand the brand without bloating the core experience of the original game. My little or my first versions of games. We've also done this for Scythe through my little Scythe, but not Wingspan. It's a tricky approach to take, as I see very little buzz for these types of games, but some of them have seemed to have done very well and brought joy to people. In general, though, I prefer to make games that can be enjoyed by people of all ages. Last, new editions. Many publishers have published deluxe, anniversary, or big box versions of their games. I'd prefer to just re reprint the game we already have, though, keeping the spotlight on it with review copies and community building, as new editions can create redundancy dilemmas for those who already have the game. Sometimes a game, even popular games, can benefit from a big revamp at some point, though. 
Many of these endeavors take time, money, people, and risk. I've tried to be intentional and deliberate, experimenting instead of going all in on any given approach. We can always make more of a product, and we will if there's demand, but we can't undo a massive overstock. I recommend the same cautiously optimistic approach to others. Also, having a tentpole brand like Wingspan can raise the tide for other Stonemaier brands and even games from other companies, as a popular game may bring newcomers deeper into the hobby. Honestly, that's one area I'm still navigating, as I want customers to feel appreciated and valued for what they've chosen to buy, not what they could also buy. At the same time, if someone loves Wingspan, there are other games from us and others that they might enjoy, hence why I make a video like this for each of our games. I've linked to a video where I talk about my favorite game recommendations if you love Wingspan. From your experiences and observations, what would you recommend to those who have a smash hit product? Let me know in the comments of the original post or on Facebook.